people who don't believe in Jesus were to listen to Christians pray, what would they think God is really concerned about? If, if the only way that they judged who God was, was listening to us ask God for things or talk to God, what would they really think that God is concerned about? I think they would really concern that they really believe that God is very concerned about blessing people's meals. I think that, that that's one of the, the really important things that we seem to pray about daily over and over and over again. They would think that God is passionate that our meals are blessed, and they would wonder what it would be like if we didn't pray for our meals. What would happen to that meal? They, they, they would probably believe that God is very concerned about people's safeties when they're getting into a car to go on a trip, because we're always praying, God bless my meal, bless me, um, keep us safe while we're, while we're traveling. They must think that, that God gives his followers special benefits. They would probably understand that God wants our kids' sports teams to win all the time. Anyone that's a Christian, God is very concerned about our kids' sports teams or even our favorite sports teams. And he would real, they would probably believe that God never want Christians to get the flu because we pray against sickness all the time, right? God, my grandma has the sniffles and I just, I'm going to pray for them. That, that's what we pray about consistently, right? And we're into this series on rethinking life and relationships. And last week we started out looking at what we thought about how would we rethink how we love people. And we said we would, we would speak peace to people and we would spend time with them. And we would serve their needs and then share the hope of Christ with them. And we wouldn't decide who deserves that hope and who doesn't deserve it. We would just do that with everyone. And if, and if you missed it last week, make sure you stay up to date listening to the podcast. You can do that on the Portico app. But this week we're going to rethink how we pray, and our relationship with others and and God through our prayer life. And we're going to go back to Luke chapter 10. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 10. And if you need to borrow a copy of the Bible, just slip up your hand, and uh, Peter will make sure you get a copy of the Bible to borrow while you're in service this morning. We're going to spend the rest of the month just looking at some of these verses in Luke chapter 10. And Jesus is introducing some of the concepts that we're going to rethink and one of them, as we look at this morning, is, is prayer. Now, in Luke 10, he's sending out his disciples to go into everywhere, remember, and preach about who he was and the hope that he, have, he has for them. And in Luke 10, verse 2, here's what it says. It's our key verse for this morning. He says, he told them that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, this comes after the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is a very famous message that Jesus delivered on the hillside one day. And and it talks about all kinds of different ways that we're to love people the way we want to be treated. And and it, it, it speaks of forgiveness. It speaks about giving to God. But one of the things that happens in the Sermon on the Mount is, is his disciples say, Jesus teaches how to pray. And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer from, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And there's a model that's been developed that, as we've studied it, it's called the ACTS model of prayer, A-C-T-S. And I don't know, some of you may be familiar with that, but it stands for four things that Jesus outlined in that model of prayer. And the A stands for adoration, we tell God that we love him. The C stands for confession, that we confess our sins. The T stands for thanksgiving, we give thanks for all the things that he's given us and just who he is in our life. And the S, the last one, is supplication, and that's because we wanted to make it fit well, and it really means asking for needs, but supplication sounds like a good word, and it fits in the the acronym ACTS, so that's what that one is. A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. 
And Jesus, in this teaching on prayer, reemphasizes that prayer has a strong element focused away from ourselves. That we had a little fun with prayer off the top. With Mike, that was Michael Jr., stand-up comedian, talking about what it's like when he's, he's just learning about prayer and the pastor's telling him to pray with their neighbor and I'm talking about what are the things that we pray for. We really do do a great job of blessing our meals and our, and our trips and our little minor illnesses, right? We, we excel at that in habitual prayer. But most of the prayer that is focused on in this scripture and in others and what we're going to see is that it's emphasizing God and his world as opposed to me and my world. See, a lot of us pray to have one of our needs met or sometimes we pray because we just want to feel that personal connection with God. That's a, it's a very strong element in, in, our, in our spiritual world today. We want to feel like we're close to God, that we're connected with God. It's that moment of God, do you remember what's going on in my life? Have you forgotten about me? I want to feel connected to you right now. And it's not wrong to pray like that. We should pray for ourselves. That is in the Lord's Prayer and that Acts model as well. But as we rethink prayer and we look at a prayer revolution maybe in our own lives, we're going to look at a story in the New Testament where Christ followers were learning what intercessory prayer was all about. Now, intercessory prayer, big word, church word. And if you've been in church a long time, you've probably heard it. If you're newer to church, you may not have heard it. But it it doesn't mean that we have a good perspective on it just because we've heard it before or we've been around a long time. Kids think they have a good perspective on what hamburgers are because they've been to McDonald's a lot, right? They have been sadly, they have been sadly misled by a clown. <laughs> this clown has lied to them for years and years. And if we take them to a restaurant like The Works, or, or has some of you been downtown for Burgers Priest? Anybody been down for a burger? Yeah, yeah, you're like... Then they'll understand what a hamburger is, not, not this little soggy thing that they get in the little box with the little Happy Meal. That, that's not a hamburger. They've been around it. They've heard about a hamburger. They've never really tasted a hamburger until they go to where there's truth, where the real meat is, because there's no meat in a McDonald's hamburger. You know that, right? It's some kind of paste that they put together, and you can watch a documentary on it if you want. I suggest don't. Just stay away from that place. But intercessory prayer is kind of like that. We've heard about it in church. We may have even participated in it, but sometimes we don't have the best perspective on it. All it is, broken down, very simple, is it's praying for another person. In Luke 10, it was help other people know who Christ is and send people out to tell them the message about Christ. They were to identify a need, whether that's the need for Christ or some other need, and pray for that person because they may not be praying for it themselves. And so somebody else needs to step in and begin to pray for them. And intercessory prayer has nothing to do with the length of time that we pray. It's no key phrases like Michael Jr. was talking about. It's not even just a spiritual gift. Now, there is a spiritual gift of intercessing. And many people who have this spiritual gift, they passionately pray for people regularly and it, it consumes a lot of what they do and, and their gift and service to God. But they also seem to pray longer and with larger words than other people pray. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't define what intercessory prayer is. And there's a tendency in our church to say, in not necessarily just our church, but our modern Western church to say, if intercessory prayer is a gift and we're trying to find out about it, and there's people that seem to love it and know what it's about, we'll let them do that 
And then when I pray, it'll be about lunch and it'll be about sickness and it'll be about the small things. And I'm not really going to move into that, that, that mode, that area of intercessory prayer. But a one-sentence prayer for your neighbor is just as much intercessing as the hour-long meetings that we had last week on behalf of our ministries and our campuses and the mission of the church. And when you hear the word intercessory or you, or you start thinking about it, there's no need to get spooked. It just means praying for somebody else when they can't or when they wouldn't. And there's a story in Acts chapter 12, and you can flip over to Acts chapter 12 if you want, and it's a group of Christ followers who were beginning to intercess for their friend, Peter. And the little context of this story, Christianity in, in, in this time was gaining momentum and it posed potential big changes to the way that the Jewish societal structure was. And it, and it was something that the religious leaders said, we need to make sure that anyone who's following Christianity gets put in jail or at least punished for it. And Peter was one of these, these people that was put in jail. And so there was a group of Christians who were meeting behind locked doors because they were, they were afraid that they were going to get arrested. They were afraid that they were going to get into trouble w- with the law. And they were praying for Peter. And in Acts chapter 12, as they began to pray for his release, an angel shows up in jail and releases Peter's handcuffs. Now, Peter's not totally sure what's going on because it was in the middle of the night. He had been sleeping. And th- the angel invites him to start walking towards the guards. And scripture says that Peter figures this must be some kind of vision. Like I'm in jail, I'm, I've got the handcuffs on, why would I start walking towards one of my jail guards? He's thinking, God, are you starting to teach me a lesson about spiritual freedom? It's like, good message, maybe wrong place and time. While I'm locked in jail, I don't really want to know about the concept of freedom. I'd like to just be free. And he starts to think that it's a vision. But, the, uh, but as they walk up to the guard, the guard doesn't do anything. And then they walk up to the gates, the iron gates of the jail, and it says that the gates just popped open. And then they start walking down the street just like free people. And it was all this time that passed before Peter realized that this was legitimately happening. An angel had showed up and freed him from prison. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 11 as these Christ followers were starting to learn about what intercessory prayer is and what it can do. So verse 11 Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So Peter knocked on the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. And here's what these great faithful group of Christ followers said. They said, you're out of your mind, (laughs) they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, she said, well, then it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. So Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. It's an amazing story about people who knew of a need in somebody's life and they prayed for it and it changed the course of his life. And there's a few lessons that we can learn as we rethink how we approach prayer and the experience of prayer for the balance of the morning, okay? So if you have a pen or paper, you can jot these down in your notes or you can go to your U version and they're all there. But the first thought is this, that intercession expands my focus 
to share in the needs of others. Now, remember that every prayer that we pray for somebody else, that's intercession, that's intercessory. And when, when we learn how to pray, it's often in the context of our families or in church. And we say, God bless, God bless me today. God bless my family today. Bless my kids, my sibling, my spouse, whatever it is. It's all, it's all centered on, on us. So it's not our fault that we get stuck there because that's often where we begin. We just start praying with the immediate things around us. But it wasn't designed to be about us. This is a group of Christians who are behind barred doors in fear of being arrested. But look what they're praying for. These are, these are people that could have been put in jail. And what are they praying for? They're praying for Peter. We see that in Acts 12.5. They were able to push past the urge to pray for themselves and focus in on a friend and think, you know, there's somebody else that has need. I'm called to pray for other people. And I'm not being facetious here, but we have PAOC friends, former members of, of MGT. We talked about, you know, have you heard that news story that was highlighted back in the fall? They're in jail in China. Yet every day we pray for dinner real well. But how often do we stop and go, God, there's your followers that are in jail in China. We don't because our context is we pray for what's in front of us and we pray for our, us to have a good sleep. On the night before Jesus was arrested and killed, I want us to look at his topics of prayer. This is the night that he was going to be arrested. We see it in John 17. In verses 1 through 5, you can, you can read this later on or you can look at this in your CLGs this week, but verses 1 through 5, he's going to be arrested and killed. He prays for God's will. Then in verses 6 through 19, he prays for his close friends. And then in verses 20 through 26, he prays for all believers. He doesn't pray for strength for himself. He doesn't pray for wisdom. He doesn't even pray at this point for his father to find a way to get him out of the situation. He just intercessed for other people. He modeled a life of, I'm not praying just for what I need. I'm praying for other people. Richard Foster, he's a Christian author. He wrote The Celebration of Discipline that some of you may have read. It was one of the key Christian writings uh, in the 1900s and just talked about the disciplines that Christians are to participate in. And this is what he said about intercession. The prayer of intercession requires something from us. It requires our heart. When we hear and we see the news, our hearts want to turn away from the pain and the suffering we see. This is common, right? When, when, when we hear a story, we talk about it, but we don't want to focus on that. We want to think about some of the good stuff that we have. But then he goes on to say, the prayer of intercession calls us to stay present to the pain and pray for those who are suffering. The only pain that we experience daily is that of our own, right? Because we feel it, we see it. But intercession helps us remember that Kevin and Julia are in jail today. And what am I going to pray for today? Prayer of intercession helps us remember my neighbor's not the one sitting in your chair, the neighbors on your street <laughs> may not know Jesus. And their eternities are in question. And what am I praying for today? It helps us tune in to what others need rather than look for something that would just make us feel good. You know, a few, a few years ago, as a church, we participated in a program with transformations called Adopt the Street. Does anybody remember this? A few years ago, we did, we did Adopt the Street. And Joe, you can throw the picture up on, on the screen, but all over the world... Christians, through this organization, are committing 
to praying for their street and the needs of their street. So when they go on a walk, they don't, they don't think about just, they don't just think about making sure that the dog stays in the middle of the road. They don't just think about what's coming up. It's not just a relaxed walk. It's also a prayer walk. And they pray for their street. Or, or, or at night, they sit down and they pray for the needs of their street. And you can go onto this website here. It's, called, it's uh, transformourworld.org. You, you can go on there and register to pray for your street. Could you imagine if the whole, this is, this is transformation's dream. Could you imagine what would happen if we committed to pray for every street in town? What would happen if every home, every street, if this school, if, our, if, 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 the, if town hall and town offices was being prayed for every day by the people who were surrounded by that? Transformations has seen entire cities. They've seen crime go down. They've seen farmers' agricultural results go up. They've seen unbelievable change when a city, when towns get a hold of this concept and begin to pray. And this is something we, we really bought in a few, a few years ago, but we know that there's still members of Portico that are praying for their street every week. Amanda, I went on and checked ours. We, we need to update ours because we moved a couple years ago. We're still registered on, on, on a different street, but what it does is if you go on there, it'll put a little dot like that blue, I guess the person who registered there lives in the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, we're going we're gonna to pray for them later on today that, 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 that for, for their needs. But it just it puts a little dot on your street, and it says, I'm committing to pray for our street. And then you can, Joe, if you go ahead to the next one, you just kind of um, put in your email, put in your name and all that. And then you, it says, add prayer initiative. You can choose there, and there's Portico or Portico Milton. We want to represent Milton, right? We don't just want to represent So we want, we want to make sure that, um, that we're, we're connected there. It, it just shows other people from the church that are praying. But it's something that, as you sit in service this morning, you may say, you know, I'm going to commit to praying for my street this year, 2015. I'm going to find out what the needs on my street are. I'm going to, even if I don't know the people, I'm just going to pray for them by their face. I'm going to pray for them by their home number. What would happen if our town was prayed for every day? And if you believe in Christ and you believe in the Bible as truth, you know what that means? We believe that God knows every one of our needs. Before we speak it, he already knows what we need. We don't need to remind him. And intercession brings me into a shared focus with other people. Okay, I love this next part about intercession. Do you trust God more than you trust yourself? That's like one of those Christian questions where we're supposed to say, yeah, I trust God more than I trust myself. But when it comes to a job application, what's more important? Is the prayer about the job more important or is the resume writing more important? Which one takes emphasis for you? If someone is sick and they're up and they're hacking all night, and uh, we've been experiencing this in our house. I know some of you have been, we've got a lot of people that there's that horrible flu going around. What's more important, the prayer for the sickness or the Tylenol cold and sinus that with the extra, with the stuff that makes you drowsy at night? What's, what's more important? Because I know how important that drowsy nighttime medication is to help me sleep. Or is the intercessory prayer more important? Maybe there's no right answer to those questions since both are important. We know that. We want to do the practical things we also know that there's power in prayer. Here's the second thought, is that intercession requires that I trust God more than I trust myself. For the big areas of life, it's hard for humans to leave it in God's hands. These were Christians who were praying for Peter's release from jail, and when he shows up at the door, nobody believes that Peter could possibly be there. 
Isn't that, isn't that like, didn't that just blow your mind? You go, all we had done is pray, so there's no way Peter could be out of jail because we haven't done anything yet. All we've done was ask God to get him out of jail, so there's no way that he could show up. Look at it, verse 15 again. I want to read this. You're out of your mind, they told her. You're crazy. When she kept insisting it was so, they said, well, then it must be his angel. They couldn't even fathom that God had followed through on their prayers. More often than not, when we face a situation that, that, that requires some kind of action, that feels big, that, that feels like I can't accomplish this, we do one thing. We just kind of give up. We resign ourselves to the fact that nobody can change it. Or we rely on ourselves and we go, well, I can change that. I can do it if I work a little harder, if I do a little more. And in reality, it's God who has the ultimate say in the situation anyway. And Luke 10, if we, if we go back there, it was a prayer for people to know Christ and to send workers. And we think of evangelism, sharing the gospel message. We think of that as something that we do, that we share our faith with other people. And it's through our story and our work that they come to know Christ. Look what it says in John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws them. And I will raise them up in the last day. Jesus was teaching his followers that our efforts far fall short unless the Father, through the work of the Holy Spirit, draws them. And it's not just in a situation of a person's personal faith. Jesus talked to a Roman military officer. You'll read this in your, in your CLGs this week in Matthew chapter 8. And he said that the greatest faith he had ever seen was from this Roman soldier because he knew that the healing of the sick servant would, would happen if Jesus said it would happen. He didn't need to come. He didn't need to do anything. He didn't need to send a doctor. He didn't need to even come and lay hands on him. He just needed to say it and it would be done. And Jesus said there's no greater faith than someone who believes that if Jesus says so, then it will be done. And when we embrace intercessory prayer, it means we rely on God and that which we can't see more than we rely on ourselves and that which we can see and we can do. You know that proverb, even folks who haven't been to church have heard this one before. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because prayer changes things. And the basis of our faith is that God is involved in our world today. Which brings us to our final thought. Is that intercession makes me a partner in accomplishing God's plan. You're going to read this week again and keep going back to the CLGs. But we've got so many stories we didn't want to take the time to really get into them. It'll be a study on your own this week. But it talks about this, the story of Moses who intervened on behalf of Israel. And he changed what God's plans were for Israel because of his prayers. We're going to look at Abram who begged that God would spare his brother Lot and the towns that, that he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, God, if there's, if there's 50 righteous people, if there's 25 righteous people, would you spare this town? And God said, okay. Go and find that for me. And as through their prayer, through their discussion with God, it seemed like God was ready to change his plans in, for the future. And it sets up this tension. If we don't pray, does God not act in this world? Can our world have different outcomes based on whether or not Christ followers ask for things in prayer? Well, we see in Scripture that the Bible has very clear examples and stories of yes, when God changes his mind, his course of action, because of the prayers of his people. You know, on the flip side, we also see actions where God acted in spite of the lack of faith and the lack of prayers of his people, and God still 
enacted his will on the world. But either way, intercessory prayer makes us a partner with what God is doing in the world. Even if we don't believe that I can change God's mind, at least I can partner in God's plan for the world. And we do see times when, when that's the greatest privilege of people to partner with what God is doing. Think about it. That those, those Christians who were, who were praying for, for Peter, what a faith builder for them when Peter came and actually showed up on the door. When they actually figured out that it was Peter, they, they would know, you know, in the real crisis times, in the real moments for other people, I know that when I pray, God can answer. James 5, 16 and B says this, that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want to share a story with you that comes from Tony, Tony Campolo. And he was, in, he was in a moment of pre-service prayer. And he laughs at Pentecostal churches sometimes because when we have a pre-service prayer moment, we like to get everybody around and we put our hands on people. And we get really passionate when, when, when we're praying for people. And they were passionately praying for Tony because they wanted the Holy Spirit to empower him and be there with him. He's a He's a, he's a Baptist, and he believes that, that, that God does great things, but they just pray a little bit differently. And he was in pre-service prayer one time, and, and this pre-service prayer was going on longer and longer. It had been 15, 20 minutes, and there was still this group of men that were praying for him. And one of the men that was there was a larger guy, and he said this guy was getting a little bit tired. So he had his arm on Tony, and he's starting to lean a little bit. <laughs> I'm not a big guy, but call, yeah, just work with me here. Yeah, that's right, right there, the heaviness. And he's leaning on Tony, and Tony's thinking like, man, I wonder when this prayer is going to end. And then he listens closely to this guy's prayer, and he realizes he's not even praying for Tony. He's praying for some guy in the community named Charlie Stoltzfus. And here's what the prayer was in pre-service that morning. He said, dear Lord, you know Charlie Stoltzfus. He lives in the silver trailer down the road a mile. You know the trailer, Lord, just down the road on the right-hand side. Lord, the man continued, this morning Charlie told me he's going to leave his wife and three kids. Step in and do something, Lord. Please bring that family back together. And Tony's, Tony's there. He's the speaker of the service for the morning. He's thinking, why is this guy praying for Charlie? Why is this guy telling God where Charlie lives? God knows where Charlie lives. He knows what's happening. We're focused on service. Well, the prayer ended and Tony kind of shook it off and he went out to speak and says that they had a good service, nothing remarkable happened. And he gets in his car to drive home, and he was, he was a guest speaker there. He, he, so he was getting back on the highway to, to go back to his house. And as he's on getting onto the highway, just as he's getting on the on-ramp, he sees a hitchhiker. Hitchhiker's got his thumb out, and Tony says, well, I'm on the highway. I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like obeying laws of hitchhiking, but he decided to pick this guy up, and he's getting on the turnpike. And so he gets him into the car, and he says, hi, I'm Tony, I'm going, so, I'm going um, this far on the highway so I can bring you that far. Where are you going? And he says, well, I'm not really sure where I'm going. My name's Charlie Stoltzfus. So Tony's jaw just kind of drops. And he says, they went, they went one exit, and then they turned around off that turnpike. And Charlie says, I thought we were going, I thought we were going down the road. I thought we were headed that way. Where, where are you taking me? And he goes... Tony said, I'm taking you home, Charlie. <laughs> and Charlie says, what? And he said, you left your wife and three kids this morning, didn't you? Charlie goes, how did you know that? <laughs> You're right, I did that. 
And Charlie starts to move over in the car, get closer to the door, like, is this man stalking me? He goes, how could you possibly know that? And Tony just looked at him with a smile and said, God told me. <laughs> and so then he, they didn't say much for the next couple of miles as they drove back. And Tony drives up right to the silver trailer down the road, the church, one mile, without Charlie ever telling him where he was going. And now, now Charlie's really freaked out. And the wife comes running out of the trailer door and says, you're back, you're back, you're home, you're home. And Charlie pulls her over and starts whispering in, in, in her ear, and her eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so Tony then, with a little bit of authority, sits these two down and says, let me tell you a little bit about a God that loves you and about what it means to serve him and about what commitment to him and commitment to each other is all about. Well, needless to say, that was the beginning of a marriage restoration and a faith journey that Charlie and his family went on, all because there was an elder in a pre-service prayer moment that decided, I'm not going to pray about me and what the service is going to be about. I'm praying for Charlie. And Tony, maybe not praying, but partnering with God in God's plan, brings this man home, obeying the voice of the Spirit in in his life. Who knows what would have happened in their lives if those two hadn't prayed. God, we believe that God has plans and he can move in spite of us. But why worry about that? That's not the important thing. We're invited to partner with God in moments of intercession and says, don't worry about your needs. Don't worry about what's going on. Even if your life is threatened like those Christ followers were in, they were threatened with jail. They were threatened with being beaten. And they said, I don't care. I'm praying for Peter. I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what your life is like this morning. But we want to have everything that we do challenged in this series. The way that we love other people, we want to be challenged. That we love people unquestioned. It doesn't matter who they are. We want our prayer lives to be revolutionized. And the call for us as a church this morning is, don't worry about what's happening in your life this morning. Don't worry about the needs that you face. Would you take this new season and say, I'm going to pray for somebody else. I'm going to adopt my street and pray for my street. I'm going to just pray for my neighbor. I'm just going to pray for for Kevin and Julia in jail in China. I don't know what it is, but here's the challenge right now. These guys are going to lead us in a song, and maybe you want to find a moment on your own, and you're just going to pray for someone else. Maybe you're with your family or you're with your friends and you just want to say, we're going to pray for somebody. And here's what I believe. I believe that in this moment that God's going to lay something on your heart that this week your focus isn't going to be about God bless bless this ham and corn and potatoes. Your focus is going to be God change the life of my friend. God move in our city and in our church. And your life is going to change from your prayer life is going to be revolutionized from me and my world to God and his world. Would you take a few moments and pray together, pray by yourselves and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning. Let's intercess.
I thank you that we get to partner in your plan for this world. And God, I pray for all of my friends here, Lord, that um, you, you challenge them, Lord, every day, that something would be on their heart to intercess for somebody else. God, that our prayer lives collectively would, would be changed 
would be different and our focus would be you and your kingdom, your kingdom come. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for coming for us. God, show my neighborhood. God, show my coworkers. Show the people that I share life with that you have a plan for them, that you have promises for them, that you have peace for them, that you have healing for them. And God, I pray that each of us would have that always on our minds, always on our lips, God, and we would be changed in the way that we pray. God, I thank you that this is always a journey, too, that um, doesn't matter where we were when we came today, we're just called to take one more step, God. And if it's the first time we've ever intercessed, God, that it's just as much an effective prayer. And Father, if it's been a practice in our life for, for 40 years, you're calling us to go deeper today. You're calling us to be always connected to your, your, your heart and hear what's new with the voice of the Spirit in our lives. So God, each of us, would you give us that nudge to go one, one step deeper in the way that we, we pray for others and the way that our focus is on your kingdom, that we pray to the Lord of the harvest for the workers that people would come to know you. That's our mission that you've given us. That's the mission statement of our church, Lord, that we help people come to know you. And in all things, Lord, we ask that your spirit reign and rule. And thank you for including us in that amazing plan. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.